Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me once again for episode 39. Today, I've got an awesome guest. Her name is Natalie Bacon. She is a personal finance blogger at thefinancegirl.com, and she is also on her way to becoming a certified financial planner. But that's not kind of where she thought her life would go. She actually thought she was going to be a lawyer. Well, she was a lawyer for uh quite a bit of time. And then she decided that wasn't for her. And she made a huge career switch. So we're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about some of the tips that she has for women who want to do a career switch like her, do something totally different and what kind of advice she has just to be more savvy with your money. We could all do with a couple tips to be better with our money. So that's all coming up right now. Thanks, Natalie, for joining me on the show today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So yeah, the reason I wanted to chat with you is you have a very interesting story. I think a story that a lot of people can relate to just from uh, you know where you started and where you are. And I really love kind of just the vibe of your personal finance blocks is very kind of in line with you know where I see my life too. It's all about kind of finding that balance and you know really living that life that you want instead of kind of making excuses. Um, so let's kind of start from the beginning. I'm curious, how did you you, you know, were you always good with money or, or what kind of, uh, sparked everything for you? Yeah. So the answer to that question is no, I, I don't <laughs> think I'm good with money now. I, um, I am a spender at heart. I mm-hmm. like clothes. I'm just, you know, very stereotypical girl. Um, mm-hmm. so it's a challenge and struggle. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, mm-hmm. I grew mm-hmm. up not really knowing anything about how to manage money or how to really make money in an entrepreneurial sense. I was taught right. to go to school, you know, go to more school. Um, academia is really important to my family mm-hmm. and in my family. So I went on to undergrad. I went to a private undergrad and then I went on to law school and became a lawyer. And it wasn't until I passed the bar, got a job, was Mm -hmm. practicing that I really started to think about money because I thought I would be rich. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I bet a lot of people that, you know, kind of see themselves becoming a lawyer, like, well, once I'm a lawyer, then that's when you make all the money and, you know, it'll be great. Yeah. You'll just kind of, yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Not so much. Yeah, exactly. So I decided that, uh, well, I found out that my student loan payments would be astronomical because I had accumulated $206,000 of student loan debt. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a big number. Yeah. And that was from your undergrad and going to law school? Mm-hmm. 60 was from my undergrad and that's gone um, now. Oh, great. Yeah, which is great. But I'm still plugging away at the law school debt. Um, so... I started blogging about finance because I was in student loan debt and because it wasn't easy to make the payments. I sort of think of it differently than someone like my brother who is in his residency and when he gets out and um, he's in his residency for ophthalmology, he'll make, Mm -hmm. you know, between 200 and 300K starting out. And so to have $200,000 of student loan debt isn't as hard to get out of, but when yeah, lawyer- yeah, if you're making like 200k a year, you yeah. can figure that out in a few right. years and be fine. <laughs> it, that's not the kind of money lawyers make. So even if you're making, you know, 70 to 100 grand, if you ha- have $200,000 student loan debt, 
it's just um, you're not rich <laughs> at all. No. And from, you know, just from like lots of people that, I, you know, that I have friends who are lawyers, it's what people don't really, and I wonder what your kind of thoughts are on this. What people don't really realize is once you're a lawyer, you don't just, you can't be kind of a frugal lawyer. I'm not sure <laughs> if that's really a thing you can do because there's lots of things that pop up. Like you have to, you know, meet with clients and, and pay for meals. And, you know, there's, it's, you know, you have to dress the, the way everyone dresses and that can be kind of expensive. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. That is mm-hmm. 100% true and probably even um, even more than what you just described. Mm-hmm. I mean, the lunches, the, you know, I mean, it was, you know, the lunches, the dinners, the um, events, like you're just expected to pay for things. I mean, you yeah. get paid a good salary and if you don't have any debt, I mean, it's totally manageable and you can build yeah. wealth, I think, quickly. But if you have student loan debt, the kind that I had, have, um, it's really impossible and no one is living frugally at like no one. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. That's just not the lifestyle of, you know, kind of a, a lawyer, depending on what lawyer you are, but you know, maybe especially for like a corporate lawyer, it's, it's oh, yeah. expensive. They would tease me about, you know, my car, obviously it's a 2006 Honda Civic, but also like mm-hmm. my apartment. And I lived in like a very nice luxury apartment, really? but it was so small, you know, it's mm-hmm. me. Um, and so they would tease me about that, you know, my, you know, seven, 800 square foot apartment. Um, so it's just, it's just a whole different lifestyle. And, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, I think staying, um, in that profession is, um, admirable and, and mo- most people who become lawyers do stay lawyers, but I found out quickly that most lawyers are not happy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even yesterday, someone who I looked up to, um, she's a couple years ahead of me, emailed me and said she's inspired by my blog um, and she's been following me and um, she's quitting law. Oh, wow. <laughs> hasn't felt this free and forever and just thank you for sort of giving her, she said, giving her permission to feel like that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I get that a lot from female lawyers in particular because it's mm-hmm. such a do- male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, you know, I think I could have continued to be a lawyer and make more money as time went on, which would have made paying off my student loans um, easier. But I really found out, you know, within a few years that I was not going to be happy long term um, as mm-hmm. a lawyer. So I wanted to do something else. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a hard thing to accept and, you know, put into action just because you did go to school for all those years and work so hard and you have the, you know, student loan debt from law school. And then, you know, to make that decision to not be a lawyer anymore, that must have been pretty difficult. You know, it's funny you say that because so three years ago, I um, was trying to get sort of a promotion the next thing from my job that I was currently at. Mm -hmm. And it was a fine job. It was just more of an entry-level attorney position. And I was offered the job that I'm currently at now as a financial planner because I knew Mm -hmm. someone at the firm. And I declined it because uh, it wasn't enough money. I sort of knew I wanted to do more finance stuff by that time, but it wasn't enough money for me to leave law. Like I had worked so hard. You know, my job Mm -hmm. wasn't what I wanted to do forever, but it wasn't horrible. So a year later, I got a new job as sort of a promotion as um, an associate at a different law firm, made more money, mm-hmm. was corporate, it was more in line with what I thought I wanted to do, and I hated it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Within six months' time, I was, I was pushed so far into hating a, that job that it, 
I was willing to do anything to get out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. so it was really, really easy for me to make the decision. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah if you hate your job that much, I, you're like, I, mean, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know you could hate a job that much. I mean, I cried mm-hmm. constantly. I really uh. felt so um, horrible about it. I didn't care if I was, you know, doing something totally entry level, totally unrelated. I just wanted peace. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure lots of people, I mean, I myself have definitely felt like that in, you know, being in the wrong job. I'm sure lots of people listening are like, yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think, but I think it's a good distinction because if you're not sort of pushed to that point, you might wait. Mm-hmm. Um, like yes. if I would have stayed at that first job. I'm not sure I would have left. I was sort of pushed into it. You know, it gets so bad mm-hmm. that you're just like, I got to quit now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what So what did you do after that point where you kind of made that mental decision to do something else? Yeah. So by that time, I had started blogging. So I knew that I wanted to be helping people with finance. Mm-hmm. I've just been so fascinated with money. And that's sort mm-hmm. of why I write about it. I really like the psychology behind it. Um, so I knew I wanted to help people manage money, make money and all that. So I um, decided to reach back out to the firm that had offered me a job a few years ago, or one of the partners there and just mm-hmm. express my interest to let him know that I didn't care about the pay cut like I said mm-hmm. I had before, you know, and if mm-hmm. they had anything um, or knew of anything, you know, even if he just wanted to meet for lunch or something, like, yeah. you know, just sort of put the feelers out there. And so that's what I did. And I had lunch um, with him and someone else from the firm. And then over the course of a couple of months, it turned out that they needed someone and I ended up getting hired there. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel so blessed because I was telling my mom I was... <laughs> quitting job or no job. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it worked out. That's amazing. And so um, you do that. And what I do really like about your blog is it is very focused on um, giving good advice and teaching people, educating people. So people, you know, maybe in your situation can um, do the same as you and just kind of, I don't know, it's just very like the word that comes to mind is empowering when I look at your blog, because it is very focused on um, saying yes, and just kind of taking those risks like you have. That makes me so happy. Thank you so much that you said that. (laughs) It really is a huge compliment because um, if nothing else, it's, it's more than just, you know, budgeting and managing your money. I mean, that to me is sort of like the basics. You have to learn how to be responsible with money, even if you're a spender like I am and you like, Mm -hmm. you would like to buy a purse or whatever else. Like it's just part of being an adult. But once you have that down, um, I feel like you have to take it a step further and really um, evaluate your life and ask bigger questions about your goals and visions and see how you can tailor your career to your vision and your long-term goals for your life. And then I think tying money into that um, is a challenge, but also just part of the process like I've done with going from a lawyer salary to a financial planner salary. Exactly, exactly. So uh, how long have you been um, in the kind of financial planning sphere? How long have you um, been doing that and uh, since you quit being a lawyer? Um, got eight months. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been going really well. Yeah, I just quit um, last June. So uh, wow. yeah, it's crazy. Um, I was a lawyer for four years and mm-hmm. quit and started financial planning. But I had... Um, 
had my blog for a year and a half before that. So I was just really personally interested in the process and in money management. And over time, I've sort of taken my interest in money management toward Mm -hmm. like making money um, as an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. And that's what I'm really excited about uh, to take my blog to sort of the next level this next year. I um, Right now, I'm actually studying for the CFP exam to be a certified financial planner. So that test is next month. So once that... Oh, good luck. Thank you very much. <laughs> once that's done, then I'll sort of refocus my energy. But it's been really exciting to kind of... Uh, see the growth that I've had from learning how to manage money and then transitioning into focusing more on opportunities and making money. Mm-hmm. No, and, and that's an inter- interesting thing that you said is you your blog is obviously focused on educating people and showing them how they can manage their money. But one of the other big things that you talk about is teaching people how they can make money, you know, through a side hustle, through um, uh, online uh, means. And I think, and that's kind of a, a big topic I talk about a lot on the podcast or on my blog is it's so incredibly important to have multiple streams of income and side hustles. Cause not only does it kind of show you that you may be interested or talented at something that you didn't think you would be, but it's just great having different ways to make money in case you are in a situation where you're like, I really want to quit my job, but I don't want to have no, you know, income coming in. Absolutely. And, and for me, um, I learned to think this way from reading books and from listening to podcasts. And I remember distinctly um, early in 2014 where I was listening to an interview um, with Grant Cardone Mm -hmm. and he was talking about, you know, the middle class and how they're so focused on managing money and how that's such a mistake. And, you know, you have to be responsible, manage your money, but the bigger focus should be on opportunities and making money. Like there's only Mm -hmm. so much managing you can do and and that's great but it's really not going to get you to that level of um building wealth at the level mm-hmm. that you can and that that's what I want to do I know that's not Absolutely. for everyone but I'm like so excited to make a ton of money <laughs> Absolutely that's I would also be excited to make a ton of money eventually and you know and then that's interesting just cuz like I feel like growing up yeah we were I was definitely taught from uh, my parents, the importance of managing money and not getting into debt and things like that. But it, the discu- there was never a discussion on like, but also make sure to make more money, make money in different ways. It was always the case of you're going to go to school, kind of like yourself, go to school, get your degree, get a job at a company and have that salary and then eventually retire. And that's it. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting because I don't know if it's a generational thing or I think it is. Yeah. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah, I hear, I, I, and I can't tell if it's just because I'm around more people who are a little bit more entrepreneurial mm-hmm. or if it mm-hmm. is just millennials in general and we want more. We want you know, the, the work-life balance, but we also yeah. want nice things and we want to make a lot of money. So we're more um, inclined to um, be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's really exciting because like you were just saying, um, growing up, it was all about go to school, go to more school, um, go to more school, <laughs> get a really good job and that's it. <laughs> like you've mm-hmm. sort of made it and, you know, you, I've realized that there's so much more and it's so much more exciting. I mean, you don't have mm-hmm. to feel, um, trapped. You don't have to feel like you have to work for someone else. You can create your own opportunities, your own money. Um, And it's not easy, but if you're willing to do the work, I think anyone can do it. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. And there's lots of, and the thing that, um, I always like to tell people is, you know, you don't just have to start your own blog to make money. I mean, that's one avenue, but I have a lot of friends that make extra money on the side by doing very different things. Like I have a friend, Jacqueline Phillips, who I actually interviewed on the show um, for, I think it was episode 30. And she's a fitness coach on the sides and she's also a bodybuilder. And that's kind of her side hustle. And then I have another friend who uh, writes grants for artists and that's her side hustle. So there's lots of different things that you can do. You just have to kind of figure out what you like to do, what your talents are, and just kind of figure it out. Yeah. And I would add on to that is, you know, first getting started, kind of what you're saying, just do something extra, but then also Mm -hmm. to read and listen to podcasts. I can't really emphasize that enough because Mm -hmm. it, it will teach you to think about your side hustles differently. So if you Mm -hmm. are the fitness coach and that's making you an extra thousand dollars a month. Well, if you've been listening to um, Smart Passive Income for long enough, you're going to get the itch to maybe create videos or a course mm-hmm. and and basically um, elevate that and, and sell it on a bigger scale. Maybe you could be making ten thousand dollars a month next year. So um, really, just to leverage your side hustle and to to grow it, I think um, is really important too. Absolutely. Yeah. And just see where it goes. Like just like, you know, an example with, uh, kind of my personal brand and my blog and podcast and everything like that. I've had my blog for about four years and the podcast for just under a year now. And it's so exciting year to year comparing the growth. And honestly, I never thought I'd be able to get to where I am and I'm excited to see where I can go. And honestly, a lot of it has been just uh, me listening to different marketing podcasts, reading a lot and just kind of immersing myself in that world and just taking risks. Like that's the hugest thing, like doing things that terrify me. Those, those things that have terrified me have been like the best things that have ever happened to me. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think sort of, um, that's why I like setting goals is because you can measure it. So you can say Mm -hmm. like, where am I starting at in 20, 16, where am I going to be at next year? And you can look back and see your growth. And um, it's really amazing what you can do if you keep doing that over time. I mean, like you said, um, look at how far you've come with your blog and your podcast mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And who knows what it'll look like in three years. It's yeah, really amazing. It's awesome. Exactly. And that kind of uh, brings me to my next thing. I, you have a very uh, interesting and popular blog post on your blog that I want to kind of touch on because it's about ways that people can kind of improve their lives, actionable steps. Do you want to kind of go through some of those things that yeah, you wrote about? Absolutely. So it's sort of um, what, we're, what we're talking about here and what mm-hmm. I've done. And it's really um, about setting yourself up for success and whatever that means to you. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean creating a plan that's so rigid that you can't take on new opportunities. But if things don't randomly happen, you have this plan that you're following through so that you are being intentional with your life. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I always recommend is for people to reflect on the last year. Mm -hmm. one of the quotes I really like from Andy Stanley is that experience teaches you nothing. It's evaluated experience that teaches you something. So, yes, yes, <laughs> right, yes, that's so true. So, it's like you can have as much experience as you want, but if you don't actually look at what you accomplished, you did, and then you know, write it down and really reflect on it, it means nothing. Absolutely, you know, and I think that when when I say that quote or when I heard it, it was like, duh, but. <laughs> At the 
same time, it's something that maybe you would just assume like, oh, because you went through that, you'll do it differently next time. But that's actually not true. (laughs) (laughs) If you want something to change, you have to take action to make that happen. So then the next thing that I um, sort of think about when I'm planning the next year or what I would recommend is to write down what you want to accomplish in your lifetime. And it Mm -hmm. sort of seems like cliche, but I think it's really helpful because it will take you away from the details of the day and the week and the grind and sort of get you excited about your life and what you want from it. And hopefully it will help you be more intentional with how you spend your time and your money. Mm-hmm. So I recommend, um, I'm a big person, I think writing things down is really helpful. Yes. So it's, it's like, oh, I could think of, you know, 25 things I want to accomplish before I die. But if I'm sort of just, you know, rattling them off in my head, it doesn't have the same impact as if I would write them down and like see them in front of me. Absolutely. And it's definitely something that I've been, uh, I'm, I'm doing this year again. And, you know, I usually write goals for the year on my blog, but I don't like, I need to like physically write them and put them on a wall in my house. Cause otherwise if I don't see them every day, I'll forget them. Okay. So that's the perfect. Do you use Evernote? Uh, I have used it. Oh my God. I'm an Evernote junkie. I <laughs> love Evernote. I just use the free version, but I have mm-hmm. Oh, what, 75 notes, I think, right now. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Anything. I just, and it's funny, when I first downloaded it, I thought, like, what am I going to use this for? But, you know, I mm-hmm. love Michael Hyatt, and he's obsessed, so I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did, and I use it all the time. So for me, um, I have, you know, my, I think I started the 2014 goals in here, 2015, yep. and now 2016 goals. And so I write them down there. I guess it's typing them. Um, Sometimes I actually handwrite, but often it's typing. So what I like about this is I'll put like, I have 1-1-2016 and then I have like a list of all my goals. And then I haven't updated yet, but like um, for 2015, if I look at it, I have them all written down, but I also will update it throughout the year. So what Mm -hmm. I've accomplished so far or... Um, if things change, you know, I'm not so rigid with my goals that, you know, I don't allow for any flexibility. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. I'll revise them and I'll put the date. Um, but that's that, that's one of the big things that I recommend is taking sort of what you want for your life, those big ideas, and then turning them into goals that you can accomplish within the next year. And I, um, I don't know if you've heard of the SMART method of... Oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm all aboard the SMART goals this year yes. for sure. Yes. So making them specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And what that really means is just um, being really clear, giving yourself a deadline, mm-hmm. writing them down, you know, making mm-hmm. sure they're realistic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it would you wouldn't say, I want to be better with money this year. You would say, I want to create monthly budgets and track my net worth for the next 12 months, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, to me, it's not as sexy, but <laughs> yeah, but no, it's so effective. It it's is, so effective. It is amazing. And I think it seems so obvious, but so few people actually do it. And if you mm-hmm. look at your goals often, I mean, vision board, Evernote, whatever, I just think yep. it, it keeps you focused and mm-hmm. it's really helpful. I mean, for me, even right now, I have little reminders that um, my goal right now is to pass the CFP exam mm-hmm. because I want to blog and write and read and do all these things I love, but I really need to put all my focus into this exam. So I've sort of um, put that anywhere I can in front of my face, <laughs> which mm-hmm. kind of keeps me focused on studying. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then I think um, another thing that's really, really important is to find your why. And Mm -hmm. I listened to a podcast episode maybe a year or so ago, and the interview was with Dean Graziosi. He's like a real estate guru. Mm -hmm. And he talked about, um, he's also a speaker, and he talked about this exercise that he does on stage where he asks people why they want what they want. But he doesn't just ask them once. He goes seven times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why do you want to do this? And it's to help people. Why do you want to help people? And you just keep going and keep going until basically you get so far um, deep that uh, you find your real why. And I just, I think it's such a powerful exercise because um, it will keep you so closely connected with your goals um, that when times get tough or you're not feeling like it, um, you'll do it anyways. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I really think that um, is so critically important to setting goals, having a vision, making life changes. I mean, I just think of attorneys because I know a lot of attorneys mm-hmm. who don't really like their jobs. And I mean, mm-hmm. what it's sort of what they're doing, but um, mm-hmm. I just always encourage them to write down their goals, find out what they want to do and find out why, what's really driving them. And I think it's really, really empowering because once you've mm-hmm. figured all that out, you can set up systems to um, help yourself achieve what you want. I mean, whether it's creating appointments with yourself every month to check in mm-hmm. and, and check your progress or whether it's reading more if you're not really sure um, which direction you want to go. It's it's all about like taking action now and doing something. And even if it's imperfect, it's still better than doing nothing and being unhappy mm-hmm. a year from now in the same place. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And I, I'm a big, um, big proponent of at least like reading or and or journaling if you really don't know where to start, because I think there's... Um, so much out there that you can learn about and it can really help you decide where you want to go if you're not sure. Absolutely. And I always do that when I, you know, read something really interesting or when I am listening to podcasts, you know, on the subway or work or whatever, if I have a thought or it makes me feel something, I will write it down. And it it just, it sticks in my mind so much more like that. Some of the most successful blog posts that I've written have been after listening to a podcast and just feeling so inspired Mm, (laughs) that I just totally immediately have to go write. Um, And writing, a lot of people will say, um, oh, I'm not a good writer. I don't, you know, I am not naturally a good writer at all. And I think, (laughs) no, I'm really not. Practice seriously helps so much. And it's just a skill. And, you know, this if you're writing for yourself, no one's going to see it. It's it's really, mm-hmm. really helpful to write even if you feel uncomfortable with it at first. I mean, keep it to yourself and just keep going. It, um, it will improve and get easier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. And it, yeah, writing is definitely something that gets better with time. As I know, <laughs> when I when I did my website rebrand and went through some of the archives, I'm like, oh my God, that delete, is, delete, delete. <laughs> isn't that amazing? I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I know. I've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, it's really not a long time. I mean, my blog's only been up and running for two years. And I mm-hmm. I would say that about stuff I wrote two years ago. It's It's really incredible how much growth you can have in such a short period of time. It's true. And also just how fast 
the years flow by. So it's kind of nice to, you know, like just do it. It's just one of those, uh, you know, things that is always sticking in my mind whenever I want to start something, but I'm afraid to, I just remind myself, just do it because, oh, year's going to go by and you won't even know. I mean, I still like just even having this podcast right now is still a bit incredible to me because it was a little idea in my mind last spring. And I'm like, oh, that seems like a crazy thing to do. Like I'm an introvert. You know, I kind of like my privacy. I don't necessarily like my, my voice. And the idea of interviewing a bunch of people is terrifying. And then I just did it. And it's honestly, I love it. I love doing it so much. That is incredible. First of all, I think you have one of the best podcasting voices that I've heard. That was the first. <laughs> well, thank you. Thing that I noticed about your podcast. I was like, she has a great voice. Well, thanks. Yeah. So, but but it is is true, and I always try and take that nervousness and mm-hmm. um, those feelings and immediately recognize them and say, okay, this means that it's going to require me to get out of my comfort zone, and that's a good thing. That is so, a good thing. Even though it feels kind, of, it's making me nervous. It means growth, and it's it's good. <laughs> Do it anyways. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm hoping this podcast has inspired a lot of people listening. I know I'm going to listen back to it and probably feel pumped and write a bunch of blog posts right after. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me. It was absolute pleasure talking to you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. And that was episode 39 of the Mo Money Podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out the show notes for this episode. I always include lots of tidbits, some important links, some awesome stuff in the show notes. So go to jessicamorehouse.com slash 39 for this episode's show notes. And I'm also going to include a link to something that I, I kind of launched kind of sneakily this Monday. I started my own Facebook group for people that want to chat about money. I uh, When I did the Rich and Fit 21 Day Challenge a little while ago uh, that I mentioned, I, I believe in episode 31 with my friend Jacqueline Phillips, uh, we started a Facebook group for that and we you know wanted to create a community so we could talk about finance and fitness. And now that that uh, program is done for the time being anyway, um, I thought it'd be cool to start my own Facebook group just about personal finance. I always want to chat about money to people and I thought this would be a great forum to do that. So make sure to check out the show notes for the link to that or you can probably search it in Facebook. The group is called Money Life Balance and I would love to see you in there. There's already quite a few people in there. Great conversations being had and it's just kind of a ton of fun. So thank you again for listening and I will see you here next Wednesday. I'm excited to share next Wednesday's episode. Next week is kind of a special week. It's International Women's Day next Tuesday. And I've got a really awesome blog post on the Monday. I'm featuring some awesome ladies that I know in my life that are doing awesome stuff. And I'm also going to have a very special podcast episode with a friend of mine. And there may be a little change to my intro. Just saying, you're going to like it. See you next Wednesday. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.